0: hello everyone welcome again to the badass podcast the Batman the animated series show podcast where we talk about Batman the animated series but we are deep into well not deep we're only four episodes in or so into our coverage of Batman beyond Batman the animated series is old hat and we're in the future now my name is Clay McCormick and with <laughs> me as always is Sean Murphy how you doing Sean
1: hey man uh, do you want to interview Kevin Conroy in the co- the podcast
0: sure I want a lot of things <laughs>
1: I might have a lead. Um, so what if you and I went to Toronto to Fan Expo where Kevin was uh-huh. and they put us on stage and we did a live recording of Badass with Kevin Conroy?
0: That would be something.
1: <laughs> that was the correct amount of pause. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> uh, so no guarantees. This was an idea that the promoters put together. Um, I'm going anyway with my wife, uh, and uh, they were like, well, Clay's got a book out, why don't we fly Clay up, why don't we put you guys all up, and Kevin's going to be here, we want something to do with one of these panels, someone in the staff knows that uh, Badass is a thing, and they said, well, what if we could get a thing where you guys record live with uh, Kevin, I mean, you know, live audience, Uh, and uh, yeah, it could be another uh, podcast of Badass, or a special podcast.
0: That's uh, That would be amazing, uh, especially <laughs> especially since we've never done a live podcast before, and why not just jump into the deep end and interview the voice oh. of Batman in front of a crowd full of people at a comic convention?
1: I can't wait to find out
0: where Kevin stands on tie. You know? <laughs> well, I'll tell you right now, people better be in for an, an, a conversation like they've never heard before, because I'm just going to ask him questions about what it was like to be on Cheers. <laughs> No Batman questions at all. Uh,
1: yeah. I mean, the thing is, if we were good at this, professional, we would go through his interviews and try to find um, stuff to talk about that he doesn't normally get to talk about. Um, or we could just wing it, and I could throw some curveballs by going off topic immediately
0: <laughs> at the beginning. <laughs> I'm sure he'd love that. Yeah. You know, with these guys, I never know. I wonder... Cause these shows, I think for a lot of people just turn into like literal shows like the, the Star Trek guys, when they do these shows all together, I'm sure that they probably tell the same anecdotes at every show. And then, you know, Brent Spiner jumps in at the same time every time when Frakes is telling a story about being stuck in the line of catering or something.
1: (laughs) Yeah. You've got to imagine that it's a routine and uh, it's hard to get them off, uh, off their routine. Um, You know, I uh, was listening to something with Kevin talking. He was talking about um, a video game uh, recording that he did, Mm -hmm. and it was a game that wasn't announced yet. And uh, during the live uh, recording, someone was talking about a game, and he goes, oh, so you heard about that game. So he goes into the game, and the audience member goes, "Uh, that's not the game I'm talking about. What are you talking about? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so he accidentally um, spoke about something he wasn't supposed to Excellent. apparently uh, Warner Brothers got upset and called him and uh, he pushed back and said you guys like I'm doing all this stuff for free I'm going to shows I'm promoting your product mm-hmm. um, you know give me a break I slipped up I'm sorry or whatever so after that they sent an employee around with him to stand behind the curtain and give him a signal if he was ever going off topic so if that employee is there my only
0: goal is to get kevin to go off topic (laughs) (laughs) i think that's totally fair and i think that's what what i and everyone who listens to the show would expect from you
1: i mean i want to see i don't care what kevin thinks about hentoy i want to see what the politically correct analyst behind the curtain is going to do when i name drop when i when i get into hentoy (laughs) i'm not saying kevin is into hentoy no Um, no we
0: would never say that no no just heavily imply it. Yes. <laughs> anyway, we're talking about Batman Beyond. Mm. Uh, we've got two episodes this week. As always, we're talking about Shriek and Dead Man's Hand. I'm looking forward to talking about Shriek because, as we've talked about before, you and I wrote a Red Hood book for uh, mm-hmm. White Knight that's coming out in July, and yep. uh, features Shriek. Shriek's introduction to the White Knight universe. So maybe we can talk about yeah. that a little bit without giving too much away.
2: It's
1: crazy how this lined up, and I, I wish I could say we planned it like this, right? but yes. it just happened, like we've been doing this podcast since 2017 or whatever, and it just happens that our book is announced, and we're using Shriek, and it's about, uh, FOC isn't over yet, so people can still one of the book from their comic shops, mm-hmm. and it just happens to be the episode, I mean, that's just nuts right there, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, I, it, it, it really didn't end up. We didn't really plan it to to line up as the, as well as it did. I had kind of an inkling as we were kind of taking breaks and stuff that it was going to line up decently well. But uh, this seems to be lining up very well. So everybody who listens is, is reaping the benefits, I guess. Um, nice. So, yeah, That's we're going to take a quick break and then we'll be back with Shriek. Okay, Shriek, written by Stan Berkowitz, directed by Kurt Gaeta. In this one, Derek Powers hires Shriek, a former sound engineer turned supervillain, as part of an elaborate scheme to run Bruce Wayne out of his shared control over Wayne Powers. Um, I think, right off the bat, I think this is probably the most successful new villain introduction they've done so far. Yeah, he's Uh, a good villain. Yeah, he is. He's really memorable. He's got a really yep. cool power set. The um that's the sequence at the end where they have their big fight is really really cool. Yeah. Um and he looks fantastic. He's got a great look. Uh yeah, I think yeah. it's I think it's a good good new villain. He looks like a a bear with how top heavy he, he is yes. with his big <laughs> meaty
1: paws and his claws. He looks like he's like a bear claw villain or something like that. <laughs> yes. Well, most people um,
0: don't know that that most black bears actually have sound wave capabilities in their giant paws
1: oh is that what that noise was yeah it's how they get
0: into the trash (laughs) (laughs)
2: that's
1: awesome you know i don't remember them covering that on bear grills but uh (laughs) guy's a big phony anyway so what does he know Mm -hmm. drinks his own pee just for fun speaking of hentoy no i'm just kidding (laughs) um yeah man i uh so (laughs) i like shriek i like his look uh he looks like a drug addict though doesn't he, he? does
0: he's got big bags under his eyes <laughs> i
1: mean what is he so tired by why is he so exhausted just up all night m- remixing
0: and his failed dj career or whatever yeah. it is listen to music way <laughs> too loud well i mean it's his whole look like he's he's it seems like he is modeled after like an edm guy or something with you know the the buzz cut and the earring and the goatee and the bags right. under his eyes like this walter shreve spends his weekends out at raves i think is that what edm means uh electronic dance music
1: okay i didn't know that i'm not hip (laughs) okay yeah and uh there's a couple of uh boombox references too in this which i thought was funny because we do that with our
0: book as well yes yes um yeah i uh it's nice when they reference technology that in world of the show would be very incredibly old but uh every it's everybody knows what it is because (laughs) we're all living in the present but um, yeah. yeah, yeah. I I was surprised. <clears throat> I watched this episode before we started writing Red Hood, and I think it must have been quite a while before we started writing Red Hood because I did not remember a lot of this episode, and I probably watched it maybe six months ago. Um, yeah, I was surprised that Shreve was kind of on the up and up at the beginning like he's actually trying to develop this technology to use for good yeah. and uh then powers is like ah, yeah yeah I, I don't care about that what i want you to do is kill Bruce Wayne." <laughs> <laughs> and uh yeah. I, I i put think, on your bear suit <clears throat> yes uh i think my biggest fail the biggest failing of the episode for me is that shreve isn't more hesitant to do so like he he mm-hmm. comes off as a a, a, a kindly technology software engineer or whatever and then sound yeah. designer and then powers is like mm-hmm. that's that's cool and everything but i need you to kill bruce wayne he's like yeah let's do it i can't wait to kill this guy <laughs> like there's no real hesitation and i think having a little bit of hesitation yeah. and maybe have if powers had something more tangible on him to like force him into this position it would have nah. made him uh, a bit more right. of a, a stronger character i think
1: which is why, if he was a drug addict, you know, powers could withhold from him and tell him to. I know that doesn't fit the rest of the character. He needs like some kind of drug that's sound based. That's that's what we need to fix this.
0: <laughs> yes, a <Yes>, sound based drug. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, you figured out Clay. I'm just throwing you the ideas. Yeah, this is well, how our hey, relationship works. <laughs> we've got
0: we, in in the Batman universe now. We've got uh, contact lenses that can record Bluetooth video. So sure, why not? Mm. Did you um yeah. did you see did you watch any of Star Trek Discovery, the first season of Star Trek Discovery?
1: Like three episodes.
0: Yeah. Towards the end, they pull some shit out of their ass that was like it's there's there's science science fiction technology, and then there's whatever this was when it was I if I remember correctly, <laughs> they end up getting information on a bad guy on like a one of the bad Klingons. Actually this might have been season two, I can't remember. Um by having like war paint or it might've been blood either way. It's a liquid that someone had smeared on their face. And the liquid was also an audio recording device. So the, the of course, Yeah. So it, it, the, the liquid recorded the sound, which allowed them to have the information they needed to, uh, to, uh, basically blackmail the bad guy.
1: Hey man. Yeah. That's, that's, that's a stretch even by comic book logic
0: you know. Yes, yeah.
1: The only time I've needed to do that in a plot was uh in White Knight volume 1. Joker is going to fight Batman. Joker is convinced that as much as he's as capable as he is is screwing with Batman. it's Eventually it's going to end up in a good old-fashioned brawl. So he needs to like get into shape. And Harley teaches him how to fight. Mm-hmm. And I have this scene where he's fighting without shirt on and I gave him some muscle. And I'm like, "Man, Batman's like an Olympic athlete. Joker's like Gumby. How the hell? Even if he severely injures Batman ahead of time, it's still a big ask to get the audience to believe that Joker could kick his ass. So I slid in this really quick thing. It's really weak. The um, pills he's taken to stay sane Mm -hmm. are also a steroid. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. Why not? (laughs) Super quick. I mean, most people didn't even catch it. It's weak. I don't love it. But I, I, you know, in the end, I didn't really need it. Because if I showed Batman getting really hammered, and he gets like flipped over in his car by Gordon, he's bleeding from the mouth, he falls off a building. You know, uh, if I had another page, I would have drawn him all busted up with like ribs showing or something crazy, but uh, I didn't have time Mm -hmm. or space rather um yeah i didn't need the steroid thing but my insecurities got the best of me and i'm like yeah these magic pills that make them saint they also give muscle
0: why not <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what the hell <laughs> um did yeah. you know that the guy who voices him is named chris mulkey who is best known as the corrupt deputy ward in first blood so he's one of the uh deputies in first blood that chases down john rambo
1: the red-headed guy
0: uh, no, that's David Caruso from uh from yeah, CSI. Yeah, okay. That's right. Yeah, this is one of the other ones. I'm not sure if he's the Interesting. M- might be the one who falls out of the helicopter. I'm not totally sure.
1: That's awesome. Uh I wish I yeah, I was going to look up who these guys were. Man, First Blood to me is like a top 10 of all time. Movie. Oh yeah. Fantastic. Um They uh, apparently um there's a scene where uh Stallone is escaping and he elbows this guy in the face and he actually broke the guy's nose. Oh shit. And they left it they left it in there. Got to use that. And another use that part take where he's running uh in the woods and he's going into the river where the waterfall is and there's this cop car chasing him and the car takes a, a sort of an accidental right turn into some bushes and flips over uh not in the script oh shit they just kept it in yeah the driver had stitches and was injured but they're like well that was unexpected but fuck it let's see u- let's use it <laughs> and they went yeah. with you? it looks so cool right
0: yeah i mean if if you're gonna do that shit you may as well use it right um
1: it's 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 insane to me that um even though stallone had a stunt double he still had to do his own stuff from time to time like he had to actually fall through tree branches at one scene oh yeah uh and he i think he hurt his ribs and stuff and like how do you even do that like do you shave down all the pointy sticks ahead of time i mean that's just nuts to me that you would risk a multi-million dollar valuable actor for one stunt but don't get me wrong, I love it. You yeah, know?
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, that scene where he's in the in the cave with the torch and stuff—that yeah. was all him, and that was very dangerous to be doing.
1: <laughs> that the, the rats, yeah, yeah. Such a great movie, man. I yeah. love how
0: simple it is too. Absolutely. Um, so I'm not sure. I, I'm I've been trying to look up Shriek in his appearances outside of uh, the cartoon, and it huh. looks like he has never appeared outside of. Uh, Batman Beyond Comics it seems like that's the only place he's he's never made his way into uh, the the normal yeah. DC universe which is which is too bad because he's a cool I mean I have a theory about it which is kind of part of my when you suggested Shriek part of my hesitation about using Shriek is that he is a very uh, specific kind of villain that works best on television I guess because yeah. he is sound based um, mm-hmm. So maybe that's part of it. I don't know, but he's got such a good look. I'm surprised he doesn't show up more in more stuff.
1: You no, know, his I've seen. It's funny because his costume works well in animation because he has these like bendy white shoulders that you don't even question how they work. Mm-hmm. And when you see an action figure, they obviously have to point put in points of articulation, so they have to break up these like you know the shoulders to the forearms. I feel like Shriek has the potential to be the best Gumby action figure ever <laughs> you know just kind of bendy <clears throat> yeah. you know you don't need yeah. points like i hate gumby action figures but i feel like shriek actually lends himself pretty well to that
0: <laughs> yeah well you know what's really frustrating about that though is the McFarlane uh shriek figure that came out like last year or the year before is yeah. is great but for whatever reason the only one that you can buy in stores is shriek without his helmet on and i don't know who the yeah. hell wants shriek without his helmet on <laughs> <laughs> i want to see that he's on drugs yeah i need
1: to see the bags under
0: his yeah, eyes like i i would really like to have that shriek action figure but i don't i don't I want shriek without his helmet on it didn't come with a uh a helmet in the bag no it doesn't come with an extra head or a helmet it, it's just two different figures there's the one like the general release one is the one where he's got his helmet off and then like the harder one to get is the one with his helmet yeah, on yeah no really
1: two separate figures wow yeah that sucks i mean even with my um white knight figures from todd they had swappable faces like it didn't seem to hurt the budget too much yeah but i guess they figure they can sell more like i get it but yeah uh so one of the reasons that i liked using shriek was because um simone's artwork and the way he uses um computers and filters and blur effects i thought he could really do some cool stuff with shriek stuff that i couldn't do because using blur effects is just like a magic trick that traditional art just won't get you, you right know? right yeah um and i was really happy with his redesign like i was working on it for the cover i did recently and i was like man simone's is so good with shape and fluidity and his designs like yeah i think i tweaked like one thing like uh so he when he redesigned the uh, mask, it, the way he had the black and white shapes interacting it looked like a skull, um, mm. which was cool, but uh, in one of the drawings, some of the shapes were slightly the ro- different sizes, and the skull completely went away, and I actually thought that looked better. Um, this won't make any sense to anybody unless you're looking <laughs> at the cover, but... Um, so I, I did the cover, I really enjoyed doing it, and uh, I was going with a red theme for both the covers, because um, it's Red Hood. So I took mm-hmm. some creative license, I'm like, well, I know Shriek is like black and white and blue, but I'm going to switch all the blue to red. I had so many people like annoyed that I was changing his <laughs> colors from, from blue to red. I'm like, guys, it's, he'll be blue on the inside, don't worry. So from now on, whenever I post that cover, I always have a little uh, asterisk, I'm like, don't worry, on the interior he's going to be blue or whatever.
0: False advertising. Is what you're putting out there. I <laughs> <No. laughs> uh, yeah, uh, did you did you notice, um were you surprised in the episode that they didn't give him any like sound wave effects? It is very much like I you see just... the destruction, but you don't see like any yeah. like wah 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 like waves or anything coming off of his hands yeah. or whatever.
1: That's why I think it'd be a pain in the ass to draw is uh mm. you'd have to draw this like earthquake V shape f- coming from him somehow. And that it works well in animation, but I mean I know how I would handle it. Um in comics but that blur effect would be really handy as well you know <laughs> yeah
0: yeah yeah and i i uh, yeah. i also love i love simone's um he redesigned walter shreve as well and he gave him this really cool white leather jacket that uh that is kind of reminiscent of the shriek suit it's very it's a very cool look
1: what did he do that you weren't
0: his first design came in and something about shriek's face did he give him long hair or something I think maybe he might have given him long hair and it made him look too much like Jason, if I remember correctly.
1: Ah, Okay, that's what it was. Yeah. Yeah, I was like, this looks great. And, of course, you're the one that comes cracking down with authority.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You mean I'm the one who pays attention? Yeah, (laughs) that's (laughs) you.
1: I got a lot on my plate, man. I'm I just know, gonna follow I your know, lead. I, I told you, I wrote you. I'm like, dude, just giving you don't shit. Don't be so passive in the emails. Speak up, please. Like, I'm not paying attention as much as you should be. I've got too much to do. Your job is to just take control. So don't worry about being a dick if you have to. So busy, <laughs>
0: just washing that car and buffing that car and not driving yeah. that car.
1: I know it looks so good, washed when it's not moving. There's no
0: engine in it right now, actually. Oh, really? <laughs> is it? Is it at the shop?
1: Yeah. So uh, we. Uh, my new mechanic is a friend, and I actually gave him a loan to start his own business. So I'm, oh wow, uh, I own part of this business now. This is the lengths I have to go through to fix my car. <laughs> um, so uh, he's you know, you can you know, get getting like getting any- a
0: like a solid Hyundai Sonata for like a, an eighth of what you paid for this at this point. <laughs> I know, man. I don't know what I'm thinking, but he
1: knows what he's doing. He's yeah. like most mechanics don't actually have a degree and they just have like two years of business um, vocational school, which is fine. He actually has two degrees and one of them is in English. So he's like the smartest mechanic I've met in a long time. Um, And he's shopping out parts and he actually found on eBay a correct engine replacement. And this engine is never sold in the US. So you have to get it from Japan. Oh wow! It's a JDM, which means Japanese direct market only. So, Mm -hmm. you know, with uh, uh, COVID and shipping and all that, it's been extra hard to find pieces, but uh, we're actually getting a bigger engine in than the one that broke um but it's only it still only has 500 horsepower so we're not gonna go crazy yeah yeah that's cool
2: uh speaking and power steering oh there you go
0: excellent (laughs) yay um speaking of cars that'll be enough for cars (laughs) well i was gonna say speaking of cars did you notice the limo that bruce has in this looks a lot like the tas batmobile
1: yeah flipped upside down that was by design
0: yeah it's it's very cool it's got kind of a cool like uh mouth on the front yeah. that's the inverse of the the batmobile it's cool yeah that was awesome
1: yeah they, i think we saw it recently in the uh the movie of batman superman oh really Wait, oh, I've, I've... I've... no i'm sorry i'm wrong no i'm thinking of the uh,
0: joker uh Re- return of the joker okay so well we will see yeah, it that again makes sense then. yeah okay yeah yeah i i, yeah, I um... that thing's cool though <clears throat> i uh I, I really like the stuff with uh uh, you know, I, I unfortunately I think with this show, as we've talked about, it kind of the, the some of the problems from the last season st- of Batman still kind of persist because there's so much stuff in this episode that I find really interesting and I'd like to see mm-hmm. more of, like a- all the stuff with uh, Powers trying to buy up and uh, knock down historic Gotham. Yeah. Um, that was actually yeah. something that in the first draft of, of the Red Hood book, there was a, the mm. storyline that I had worked out was very similar to that and completely by accident. I didn't even realize I had done it. Um, and so yeah. the final book didn't end up going that way, but it was, it was fun to see that and be like, Oh, that, that is, that's cool. You send Shriek in there to knock the buildings down. Well, I mean, I guess he's going in to kill Bruce specifically, yeah. but you know, you, you think you'd send Shriek in to sound wave the buildings down to like lower the property value yeah. and all that kind of stuff.
2: Yeah,
1: it was cool. I forgot how Bruce sort of was in the old, old uh, Gotham, and he kind of broke into the old GCPD, and there's like a a wanted poster for the Joker and all that. Um, yeah, it's definitely one of my favorite parts of the episode.
0: Yeah, yeah, and it's uh, like that stuff. I wish, I wish there was a little bit more of. Um, I wish there was more about Shreve as a person, giving him a little bit more uh, personality—not personality, but like uh, motivation for doing what he's doing. Yeah. Uh, however, I think all of the hesitations of the episode are kind of thrown out the window when you get to that final fight, when they really get to do something cool and they they cut out the sound and you so it's just Batman's footsteps and stuff like that whole sequence was really really great.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. There's so much you can do with his uh, with Shriek's superpowers, you know.
0: Yeah, and it, it's so <laughs> they're so undefined at the same time where he's got this device that. What what are they? What is it? Powered by like a ac- acoustium or something? Some ridiculous made up <laughs> yeah. thing, and it can yeah. suck all the sound out by uh, mirroring the frequency or some shit like that. But it doesn't. You have no idea what like the radius of this is, and so yes. you can be blasting Batman through a wall twenty five feet away, and then he gets up and he can't hear a car coming because there's still no sound. But it doesn't what's matter because it's um, still cool.
1: What's that precious metal from uh, Avatar?
0: Unobtainium
1: obtainium yeah. It's like the stories like this. The thing they need is the chemical thing they need is called like um, plot required yes. mentium or yes. something. You know, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that was a stretch.
0: <laughs> uh, but I I do also love that um, Ace, the dog, is the only one who can hear in the frequency, so yeah. he's a, 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 able to save Terry. I just yeah, I just think that whole end sequence is really well done.
1: Yeah, yeah, I gotta think about how to use ace in my book i have him in the book now but i don't have him doing anything he's just cute and sitting in the background chewing batarangs um <laughs> the other thing i need to work in is um old gotham like the fact that bruce doesn't know neo gotham at all but mm-hmm. if he wants a fair f- if he wants to even the odds he can lure an enemy into the historic district where he knows a shit, you know
0: yeah 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 that, i'll figure out cool. a way to
1: do that i still have three
0: issues left um you know, the other thing I really liked about this too, which I think there was just enough for this episode, is we get to see Terry kind of come into his own a little bit um, and do things mm-hmm. by himself, where you've got him use, trying to use the bat computer, which I loved because the bat computer seems to operate with the same accuracy as like an Amazon Alexa. Because you, every, every time you want to use one of those things, you always want to give it some general command and you forget that they actually only have a set number of things they can respond to.
1: Yeah. This is when he says, uh, do the thing when you scan the thing. Yes, yeah. The computer sort of like corrects him. <laughs> yes.
0: I like that it leads hey, him to the answer. Of- where he's like, yeah, do the thing where, you know, you scan what it's made of. Do you mean sup- s- Sonic, Sonic, blah, 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 blah. And he's like, yeah, that's the one. Do that.
1: <laughs> what do you think of his uh, his streetwise pizza guy
0: voice? Oh, I love it. I love that guy. the 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 pizza the fake pizza guy that's great. You got Matches Malone. Matches Malone always was too serious. He's trying to be a tough hood, but then you've got Pizza Guy. Everybody loves pizza.
1: Yeah, I like it with his uh with his like bomber cap and the goggles he looked like uh that x-force character
0: cannonball oh yes (laughs) yes yes (laughs) i i I even like the way he kind of plays overplays his hand a bit because he's like yeah you know this is really interesting could you say i don't know use this in some sort of sound-based suit to destroy a building with it and shreve's like wait a minute why would a pizza man (laughs) be wondering about that
1: yeah, I thought you were
0: going to hear my sweet remixes. Why are you asking me about bad guy stuff? <laughs> I know. He totally... You said you would... <laughs> he he was totally going to start playing him mixtapes and stuff, I think.
2: <laughs> I know.
1: <laughs> and people think that Moby created this, but actually it was me. Check it out. I'll show you why I'm better than Moby.
0: And Terry's like, who the fuck is Moby? <laughs> you don't know Moby? <laughs> you know, oh, I've, I've seen man. Moby live... Uh, I, I I never would have gone to to see Moby, but it was one of those things like freshman year of college. He was playing yeah. a free show on like a pier in New York, so a bunch of us just went to go see it. It was about yeah. it was about How's what that? you it was about what you'd expect. Um, I was it was it was interesting because the crowd was really into it, but uh, it's not really my yeah. thing. So it was an interesting experience, yeah. but uh, yeah,
1: yeah. When that record came out, play uh, in late nineties it was that was the record a lot of my animation friends in school would sample and they would use that like it was overused everyone was pulling from that because there were no lyrics in it When most of the songs and it was just like yeah if you were an animation student from the year 1999 to 2005 there's a good chance you're well aware of Moby and um yeah I uh I really like that one record but I tried to get into his stuff after that and I don't know what it is it just he had that one good record and then that was yeah <laughs> yeah I don't know if we all got tired of uh, synth oh it wasn't even synth that's the thing is like it I should have been ready for it but maybe
0: it was too soon for me because I didn't get into synth wave until much later when it kind of made a comeback well it's kind of a different genre I would I would say Moby is a lot more right. like he's more ED. I wouldn't really call synth right EDM yeah. but Moby is, is more of an EDM thing and like dance house music totally and
1: stuff. but there is this uncomfortable overlap There is. Where you're listening yes. to some sweet synth and you're like wait
0: a minute is that a guy with a glow stick yes. in his mouth yeah, you is think this techno fuck you yeah you think you're in the middle of you know 3D world runner <laughs> and then all of a sudden somebody walks up with a baby pacifier in their mouth and you're like wait a second <laughs> I
2: know.
0: the only Moby songs yeah. that I know and or like are he's got two on the Miami Vice soundtrack from the Michael Mann movie and I was I was listening yeah. to that soundtrack a lot in college I love that soundtrack
1: yeah it's I you know I don't know why Eminem had to be such a dick about it. <laughs> Do you remember the feud they had?
0: I don't remember specifically. I just remember oh, okay. some stuff from the videos and whatnot.
1: Yeah. No, it was when uh, Moby got pissed because Eminem made fun of him in a song and uh, called him an old man. No one listens to techno no more, but, you know, had it rhymed perfectly because Eminem's amazing. <laughs> and uh, Moby got pissed off, and then um, some female performer got pissed and tried to make fun of him. M and M, one of her songs, uh, and it didn't work because they're not as good as it as M and M is. So it this only ended great, up helping M and M hurting them and making great, them all look lame. Great, except for M and M. Great story.
0: <laughs> this is riveting. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, I just—it's just—I, uh, it's—it's one of those things where it's like, yes, let us half remember musician feuds from twenty-five years ago. <laughs> Um all right, I'll I'll stop. We can go back to Batman then. <laughs> the uh uh what do you think of the way they, they leave it at the end? Because I, I think blowing his, his hearing out is great and that's like that's like the last piece to make him yeah. uh, a, 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 a great Batman villain, you know? Yeah.
1: Yeah, I like that a lot. And the fact that Bruce knew that uh he wasn't crazy because he only calls himself Batman in his own head. Yes. But he doesn't yeah.
0: actually say that. Yeah, that's a great bit at the end.
2: No.
1: <laughs>
0: um, yeah, uh, what would you draw on this? Man. Maybe Terry in his pizza delivery suit.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think it could use a few tweaks, but uh, I was down with it. I'm a sucker for goggles and uh, bomber caps, so uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll draw that. Yeah.
0: <laughs> what about you? I, I'm going to be cheap and say i'd want to draw shriek he's such a cool looking character i don't think i don't think i've ever drawn him before and you kind of have to make a decision with him right because you can i i feel like if depending on your style you really have to make a decision about how you're going to handle those arms because i don't think everybody could get away with making them really kind of rubbery like they are Mm -hmm. in the show yeah and uh if you look at the way he has shown up in comics it's very much like they've switched it to like Uh, Segmented shoulder pads Like Iron Man kind of thing That looks a lot more traditional to to comics Yeah Yeah,
1: that's good uh, Yeah, I wonder if um, Your commission list Will start to get more packed now Now, Even though you're not the artist on the book You're the writer And I'm sure you'll be doing remarks and stuff Um, So I would prepare a quick Shriek scribble that you can do on books just as a way to like charge people if they want to get more than just an autograph or whatever.
0: Oh, sure. Yeah, I got to learn how to draw that helmet, that Red Hood helmet. Just
1: draw it from the side. Trust yeah. me. You don't <laughs> want to fuck with that thing with its face on. <laughs> well, when we were
0: at Boston, we were at the Boston Wicked Con last month or whatever. Uh, I did a, yeah. a, a Red Hood commission. They like, oh, do the one from the book. And so I I, I worked out the pose before I – I think I probably already t- – yeah. I think I told the story already. But I <laughs> – It's okay. I, uh, I just couldn't figure out how it worked from the front because – there were no pictures of you having drawn it from the front.
1: Uh, even if it's from the front, I have to like tilt it slightly to one side or the other. If it's straight on, it doesn't work as well. Yeah. It's like unlike the Wolverine uh, mask, which works the best from the front. It's funny how stuff works like that sometimes, you know?
0: Yeah. At least Shriek is, is pretty simple. It's just kind of like a a black Y yeah. with a big dot in the middle of it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I've seen... Um, so Olivier Coipel drew my red hood helmet and he went from the side Mm -hmm. and uh he made it slightly more cur like more feminine looking um like less hard-edged in a way which is what Olivier does which is awesome Mm -hmm. and then um Simone uh is able to turn around in space like Simone's got great uh a great movie camera in his head where Mm -hmm. he's able to like float around objects and see scenes from different sides so the shapes of the helmet just clicked with him and he was able to do things that I I wouldn't even think of yeah I mean if I sat down to work out the problems I might have but all I've ever drawn is it from the side and I never really had to deal with it from the front, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think if I was going to draw that red hood, like in a comic, I would probably try to do like a, a 3d model or something of that helmet just to have an idea of, of how the pieces work. Yeah. Yeah, for sure.
1: I'd build one out of cardboard.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, but I, I'm excited about, I'm excited about having Shriek in the book. Um, we originally, we were going to do, I think we've mentioned before, we were originally going to do Firefly, but it, uh, it made more sense to do, to do somebody different for this one. And, uh, yeah, he's, he's, uh, he's a nice mid tier background villain to, to serve the purpose Mm -hmm. of the story that we're telling. So hopefully all the shriek fans out there don't get, uh, don't feel like they got too, uh, not enough shriek for their money, but
1: there's a I think most people who know Shriek like him. I have yeah. not seen a lot of people because, uh, you know, the the response I got from that one cover I did, I'm like, oh, people definitely like Shriek. They definitely want a blue and not red. <laughs> um, but I don't imagine they would have similar convictions about the, um, the next episode the, 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 the playing card gang,
0: whatever they're called. Yes. Yes. Uh, before we, yeah. before we hit there, do you want to r- rate this one?
1: Uh, Yeah, I'm going to go three
0: three five yeah i think i might go four actually um because i because i do think this is a great new villain episode that is like if if i was going to make a list of episodes that i think people should watch i think this would definitely be on it um right but yeah yeah, i think it's i think it's a a little bit there's a little bit of meat missing to put it over into a five i think it could have been a five with a little bit more uh time to gestate but um but yeah i think it's Uh, solid they
1: yeah, I mean that, like you said the Shriek's motivation should have been punched up a bit. Mm. Not only why does he agree to just kill Batman with but what is his stake in this? Where, where's where's the uh, sadness in the character, you know? Right, right. Um like I I think it could have been a real good character piece, especially with like at the end he's deaf. He can't listen to music, which maybe was his like favorite thing. That's really sad. I would have really leaned into that stuff um yeah i'm at a three but if i had done a little bit more of that and not focused so much on some of the other things it didn't go anywhere i I think that would be a four for me
0: yeah yeah cool cool all right that's, that's gonna do it for shriek we're gonna take a quick break and we'll be back with dead man's hand Alright, Dead Man's Hand, written by Stan Berkowitz, directed by Dan Reba, and in this one, Terry must deal with both his rejection by his girlfriend Dana and a group of Bruce's old enemies, the Royal Flush Gang, who pattern themselves yeah. after playing card ranks. After breakup with after the breakup with Dana, Terry met <laughs> this is what it says i'm going to read what it says after breakup with dana terry met beautiful girl named melanie who fell in love with him and i think you could that could be a little bit refined but you get the point um (laughs) you know i don't remember watching this one at all uh i remember the villains i'm i'm aware of them but i did not remember anything about this this was i really like this one
1: the girl with the uh The white girl with the blonde hair and the dreadlocks. Mm -hmm. I feel like when uh, girls turn their... When white girls have dreadlocks, I think in their mind they look like this, (laughs) but they don't.
0: (laughs) Animated by Darwin Cook, you mean? Yeah.
1: I mean, there's something about... I think her hair looks great. It's unique, but in real life I sorry sweetheart your hair does not look quite like that well she she's <laughs> as much as you wanted to
0: i really liked her character i was really surprised at how much i liked her and there's yeah. something something really kind of hilarious about how emo she is and she's yeah. really got this like It. i feel like they were going for a very specific over the top disaffected 90s type girl In this because like the way that she's animated is like really kind of like it's not like slinky, but she's kind of like leaning on stuff a lot in like a really Mm -hmm. making her body kind of like jut into interesting shapes and stuff like there's one scene when they're talking outside where she's kind of like circle around the pole and then she just kind of like sticks her butt out. And it's Mm -hmm. a a strange position, not not natural to stand in. But uh, I, I really liked her. I think I thought she was a good foil for Terry. Um. Yeah, and was it was nice to have a character like her that was kind of a mirror for him a bit.
1: Totally. Yeah, I thought she was the most compelling character in the uh the episode. I agree. Her body language is spot on. I think she, she's she's the type of girl that the, the way that they act is like very much a save me. She has save me written on her. <laughs> yeah. You know, she's got that <laughs> tragedy intact and um.
0: I don't know how to describe it but I think you know what I mean. Mhm. Mm-hmm. Uh yeah, in the Royal Flush Gang, I I think I knew them only from this show, so I assumed that that's where they came from, but they've actually been around since 1966. They're a, oh, uh, a yeah. Justice originally in Justice Justice League of America number 43 in 1966.
1: So the uh one of the members is this faceless big strong guy. Mm-hmm. Uh in my mind I thought he was some kind of android and I don't know where I got that
0: from because I, I don't think he is. It seems like he should be. Right. Cuz he doesn't say anything and he's yeah. he's yeah, he's got kind of robot robot helper written all over him.
1: Yeah, I thought at some point some batarang would go through his arm and you would see the the wires, but uh it must be maybe there's another episode where they they do
0: this but yeah, wasn't here. <laughs> yeah. And they also um they've appeared in the comics a lot more. I, I I'm kind of surprised at how much they've shown up uh, compared to Shriek who has not shown up at all cuz they they were in the new 52 yeah. re- rebooted universe. Uh, yeah. they showed up in DC Rebirth reboot. Um I, I mean I guess they're kind of like a good B or C level crime gang to throw at maybe like a, a Robin or a, a, a yeah. Duke Thomas or something like that to have them kind of the same way we're using Shriek in the book, I guess.
1: Yeah. Oh, one thing to go back to Shriek for a second. I just realized, cause we're talking about Firefly. Firefly was also used by a millionaire to clear out some slums. Uh, oh, both in, Shriek in show. and Firefly. Yeah
0: yeah that's true yeah i he just was. realized
1: that yeah. yeah sorry um but uh yeah i don't know she really was great uh there was one scene where like they're meeting up in the rain and they really lean hard i don't know what song they're playing but it's out of the blue And yes. even my wife looked up and she's
0: like what the <laughs> fuck just happened <laughs> yeah the whole episode is so is so emo and and overly dramatic and for some reason i loved it for some reason because you don't I feel like Terry has been up to this point played very uh stoically for the most part um and he, yeah. it's all all of his outside Batman stuff is like being late to dates with Dana or sleeping too late and having to explain to his mom why he's tired all the time and it's you don't really get anything anything juicy to, to yeah. do with him and so giving yeah. him this new love interest who has the same kind of you know it's get kind of like a Batman Returns vibe to it with Batman and Catwoman um yeah. and you can you can treat him like the teenager he is and have him yell at dad about not understanding and all that kind of crap <laughs> and also yeah. creepily enough i think i think he uses the batman technology the exact way a teenager with batman technology would which is to spy on the girl who stood him up <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying it's yeah, right. You can just
1: right. go to a police terminal and just hack in. That's, that's, I thought that was pretty cool.
0: Yeah, yeah. I'm not saying it's the right thing to do, but I'm saying that a, a 16, 17-year-old kid with that technology would absolutely do that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man.
1: Did uh, you like the design of the, uh, the gang? Uh, the flying cards and all were, that stuff? They
0: were fine. Um. Yeah. It's tough because, like... When you get into these designs, they are so minimalistic that sometimes I think they might push it a little too far in certain places, and this one yep. might have been a little bit too far for me.
2: Yeah,
1: I did like her watch, though—the just numbers on her wrist that just mm. appeared when she needed them. It's like the Homer Simpson watch, but there was there wasn't <laughs> even a watch required. Yes, <laughs> yeah.
0: The thing, what I did really love is I actually really loved their out of costume costumes where they were just dressed like the hellfire club or something hanging around sword fighting in in the living room yeah. because you get this great scene towards the end where Melanie's trying to leave. And then her mom comes over and, and explains how, you know, yeah. boys, boys come and go, but family is forever. <laughs> and how co- how come you've never brought him over to meet us? And she's like, dressed like a fucking <laughs> fairy queen. <laughs> It's like I think, I think that might be one of the reasons why he you, she never brought him over to meet you guys. Also, they've yeah. known each other for exactly like eighteen hours at this point, so things are moving kind of fast.
1: I think she's way more intriguing than his normal girlfriend Dana. Oh like, yeah, I think definitely. Dana is definitely more marriage material. Like she's a keeper for for sure. Mm-hmm. But uh, something about a tragic girl with save me vibes has been uh, is always a delightful distraction. Let's put it that way. <laughs>
0: and she's she's not just a carbon copy of of catwoman either um right you know yeah. she's got a little bit more uh de- desperation to her um mm-hmm. which just gives her a different kind of character that isn't just the usual uh um uh what's the word i'm looking for um she's, she's they're not they're not like necessarily equals the way that batman mm-hmm. and catwoman are uh, Cause obviously right. she's part of this group and gets arrested at the end. And, and it seems more unfortunate and desperate than Catwoman ever really does.
1: Yeah. I imagine what if Bruce and Catwoman were both 17? Do you think they'd be acting this way? I think uh, Catwoman would not be acting. Yeah. Like I don't I think, think Selena would. more empowered and headstrong.
0: Yeah. I think, <laughs> I think, I think basically it would be like the new Batman movie is probably what it would be like. Where Bruce would be really introverted and <laughs> and emo and Selena would be a lot more realistic about everything,
1: yeah so um I might have mentioned this before, but our friend Corinne her first crush was Terry McGinnis-hmm <clears throat> um, not cartoon crush just crush period mm-hmm. and uh she, whenever I'm drawing him and I'm like, oh, does his hair look good does cause there's there's definitely emo appeal to a certain type of reader, and with Corinne, I have like a great sort of like beta reader in a way so i'll send her my sketches be like what do you think of this does terry look good here she's always like oh my god i love how emo he is look how droopy his hair is like he looks so sad in the rain but those are all compliments from corinne so i kind of use her as my guide to know if i'm uh close to the mark you know i never really saw terry as a object of desire or whatever Mm -hmm. uh but i it makes total sense that a lot of girls and some guys would have like crushes on terry for reasons that i'm not aware of you know <laughs> it's the haircut man yeah it's the emo haircut that like they just love hair. how corinne loves how emo it is and the more i can draw him in the rain uh, i'm just like you know give me some give him some guy liner and some black nail polish and it would be like you know case closed <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> do
0: you know if um and i was oh go ahead oh,
1: sorry one more thing i was drawing him from the side and it's this like massive uh Almost full body shot of him telling his flashback story, and I have this map, big image of him from the side, and I'm getting down past his waist, and I'm like, how how big how big is his junk here? Because I have to draw some. <laughs> so stick with me for a second. So I'm drawing from the side. He's in the rain, is all that, and he's got his hands in his pockets. So I'm doing the profile of like, here's his jacket, here's his chest, here's where his abs would be, here's his belt buckle, and then you know his thighs, and I'm like. Does he have, I mean, how large of a, I mean, and I don't mean to overthink it, but I know this is the kind of panel that's going to be shared on Twitter and people are going to be like, yeah, or boo, his package isn't (laughs) big enough. It's like the panels of Nightwing where his ass is turned. You kind of mm-hmm. want to sp- pay special attention to those because you know it's going to ping with a lot of readers. Mm-hmm. So I actually took a picture of the, the, this pencil, and I was like, Corinne, should I make his junk bigger or smaller? Like, I don't know what, <laughs> what people are going to, what's going to resonate with people here. <laughs> so, yeah, that's going to happen.
0: <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. Well, that's part of your process, right? Every character you design, you 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 know how big their dick is, right? Like you've worked that out before you start drawing them. First thing I draw. Yeah. Yeah, first thing I draw. Right. I, draw <laughs> I start at the waist yes. and I draw out from there. Every character, male or female, you start at the crotch and draw out from there. <laughs> the center of gravity.
2: <laughs>
0: Basically, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I noticed uh, there's a couple. They're really throwing physics to the wind in this episode a bit because there are two instances where – I think death instant death should have occurred where nobody seems to have gotten killed when uh when they throw right. that guard off the card and and Terry catches them and then they seem to fall like seven hundred feet <laughs> right and yeah. uh both survive no problem and then also on on top of that uh Terry knocks the ace this ace of spades down that laundry chute and then throws a bomb at him
1: <laughs> he does. <laughs>
0: going a yeah, little bit Yeah, does Terry, Terry have a I don't kill thing or is that just Bruce? I'm sure. I don't think Bruce would let him kill anybody. Right. But how does Terry feel
1: about it though? You
0: know? I don't know. I uh do they yeah. uh, that seems like something I don't remember them really touching on that, but that seems like something they would cover early on early on in the se- series or maybe I don't know. Mm. Maybe he gets no. his hands on Mr. Fix or something and I forget. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I don't think they ever actually go into it. And I, I mean, Terry's just so young. He's just sort of doing what Bruce is sort of telling him to do. I mean, he pushes back a little bit, but, you know, he's a kid. You don't have a lot of pushback when you're dealing with a 90-year-old who's seen everything. Right, no.
0: right, yeah. Um, do you know, does Does Melanie come back? Does the Royal flesh gang come back? Question, I don't know. Uh, you look it up and I'll look at it. Um, it looks like, uh, Batman beyond. Oh, did you, did you catch that? Uh, the voice of the King card was George Lazenby from, uh, James Bond. I thought he sounded familiar. Yeah. He yeah. even has a line where he says we have, we have all the time in the world, which is the, uh, the line from honor, Majesty's secret service.
1: Yes, the Royal Flush gang does come back. Um, I think they're in the episode where, uh, epilogue where terry's revealed to be a clone of bruce Mm -hmm. um the cool thing with the flesh gang is they always have rotating members and it's it's actually a really interesting concept which they don't really go too much into here but you have this organization it's kind of like your family members it's kind of like generational it's but it's kind of like if you want to join and you've got the stuff we're we're sort of a misfit family of sorts um so it kind of do it could kind of be anything um I'm not sure like when the Royal Flush Gang started in this universe uh, or if you even need to go into that. But it would be cool to see an episode uh, of a character getting drafted into the Royal Flush Gang and mm. then being hesitant or whatever. And they're describing the rules of how this organization works and, I don't know, stuff like that.
0: Yeah, I guess they, they show up in uh, Batman Brave and the Bold as an uh, Old West-inspired incarnation of the Royal Flush Gang, which is fun. So, uh, oh, that's cool. Yeah, so maybe they go all the way back to the 1800s, which is kind of cool. You know, the only thing that stops me from really liking these guys is they're just so goofy looking. Like, I I feel like you could dial in these costumes a bit to make them a little bit less goofy. I mean, maybe that's part of the appeal. I mean, if you're going to put them in Brave and the Bold, that's part of the appeal is how goofy they are. But if you want to do these guys and take them seriously, I feel like they need a a, a redesign or something.
1: No, No, they sell uh, all the custom Royal Gang figures. I wonder if they actually sold any real ones? Yeah, I uh, they work. I, I like the simple color palette. You've got black and white and red with a little bit of gold accent. Um, yeah, they could use some, a little bit more uni- uniformity. It's just so goofy the, the way they're wearing crowns and sashes and stuff like that. Uh, you know, flying around on floating playing car- playing card hoverboards is pretty cool. Yes. But, um, <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. Maybe that would be the thing that I would draw is my own version of the Royal Flush Gang. and so I got to sort of do a deep dive, do some research where they came from and sort of let the uh,
0: design be informed by the history. Yeah, I, I was thinking that too. I the, the thing I I would either want to take a crack at that or I think drawing Melanie as as out of costume would actually be really fun because she's so yeah. droopy and uh, uh, <laughs> distraught with life, you know? Oh, man. The, the,
1: she's, she's got... Cr- she, I bet she's a crow a fan of the crow right? oh totally,
0: yes, absolutely
1: Uh yeah, look sucker for I that any black chokers with the uh, um big black army boots rolled mm-hmm. over at the top its, it's always been my thing mm-hmm. sorry't mm-hmm. mean to interrupt <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, I was gonna say, uh, I guess they showed up on on flash the show uh, okay. and um, oh, I guess they were on arrow as well. It looks like the the version on arrow is kind of like um the the bank robbing team from heat where they all wear the hockey mask except on each hockey mask is a play is the playing card suit is painted okay. on which looks kind of cool. That's um, a good uh yeah. And there's another version It looks like they came back on flash after being on arrow and they look not as good.
2: <laughs> a
0: lot more face paint than uh than cool cool masks unfortunately. But
1: <laughs> So I have a weird question for you. Yeah. Going back to uh the the emo Of this and like young love and all that shit. Um, Did you, when you were ages 14 to 18, did you have someone in your life explain to you like how to talk to girls or give you some advice that helped you through adolescence? Like, not necessarily like an older brother, but like an older brother type of character. Maybe your dad gave you some wisdom that was pretty helpful at the time. Did you have anybody like that? Oh, absolutely not. No. Yeah, me neither. (laughs) I feel like um, the guys that were in their teens and good at talking to girls had an older brother, explain it to them. Mm -hmm. And I really wish I had an older brother. Just like five minutes of advice would have been really helpful. Like, dude don't make it so obvious stop like illustrating these fucking poems you know that's pretty cool in one sense but you also just got to learn how to talk to them like stop being creepy. like you're trying too hard man try to pull back say you're gonna hang out and then cancel last minute like i know it seems (laughs) fucked up but trust me girls have responded like i could have used five minutes of like just give me a quick list of things to do from now on and like my dad thought he was helpful, but I've seen what he married, and I'm pretty sure he doesn't know anything <laughs> about women.
0: Happy Mother's Day, Jesus Christ! <laughs> wow taking <laughs> taking mom <laughs> taking mom to the cleaners.
1: Yeah, it's uh, yeah. I've got some stories, but, <laughs> but so you never had uh, any? What about like a friend or someone like? No, Clay. Come on, man, put something on. You make an effort here. What are you doing?
0: No, not really. Yeah. Yeah, no, which which explains a lot, but you know, you live and you learn, I guess. When did you start to figure it out? Oh, I don't think I ever did. Or, or did you? Okay, not yeah. Not really. No. <laughs> uh, I just I, Yeah, when I was in I was just going to say okay. my my approach was just try not to be an asshole. So
1: <laughs> Yeah. I learned that being kind of a dick actually worked for me. Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. like negging uh is what we used to call it but i didn't know what it was it was just like i don't know i'll just be sarcastic like han solo and maybe they'll like me and it kind of worked um it backfired a lot too because Mm -hmm. a lot of girls just think you're a dick Mm -hmm. um but it's not necessarily uh the doors closed forever on those girls you know (laughs) yes i guess i should write a book i wish i had a younger brother to explain this stuff
2: too
0: Yeah, so next time you see Sean at a convention, bring your young son and or nephew up, and, and he'll tell them <laughs> all the secrets that he never learned when he was a child. Yeah, I just uh, I, I sent you a be- picture of the Royal Flush Gang, by the way, from Arrow with the, the hockey masks. All right, let me see. What do we got here?
1: That's pretty cool. It's, That's it's, super low budget, too. Yeah, it's know? kind
0: of a cool look. The masks look really cool. Yeah,
1: you're right. The, the heat vibe is, is cool. Is that like a... Uh... Mucho libre on the guy on the left there, some kind of. Oh, it's uh, it's oh, the no, no, jack,
0: it. the jack of whatever, jack of spades. Or yes, jack it's, of a, clubs. it's a suicide jack or something. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, um, um, go but, ahead. I was just going to ask you what you would rate this one.
1: Uh, I'm at another three out of five. I think the subplot with the girl is like a four out of five. Yeah, uh, but something about it's not.
0: Uh, yeah. What about you? I think I'm the same. This is another one where I, I just kind of wish they had spent more time with the story because it just, it all just moves by so fast in a way that I just don't remember the old show doing. Yeah. I, maybe it, I, right. I, it's, I feel like I want to say that it's not just me f- remembering the old show fondly because we watched it relatively recently and there was a very, Mm-hmm. Clear change in style between season three and seasons four is when it came to storytelling. But it's no. yeah, it's just it's just uh, there's there's lots of good stuff in these episodes that I just don't think gets enough time.
2: Yeah,
1: yeah, I think that'll be our critique on a, on a lot of these. Honestly, um, yeah. Again, I I I, I almost need us a, a super fan of this show to tell me why. If they think this is better than the original series, I need like your best argument because I'm enjoying this a lot, but I feel like it's a lot of season four of the animated series, which was a little too quick, a little too polished, a little too for kids, Mm -hmm. not enough depth, you know? Yeah. 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 Um, So I draw the Royal Flesh Gang. Uh, What do you think you'd draw? Uh, I, I would draw Melanie. That's right. Just drawing her by like a streetlight. Yeah, yeah. Her, that her that whole sequence,
0: that whole sequence where they first meet each other is, is pretty fun. Uh, yeah. Oh, and there's 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 the definite Darwin Cook influence when she calls him to tell him that she can't meet him, and it's just the silhouette of her against the window, and you can see the <laughs> city. That's got to be Darwin. Yeah. <clears throat> Big uh, noir vibes there.
1: Yeah. I. I'll be honest, I always struggle with Darwin's stuff. Mm-hmm. I know I'm supposed to like it, um, but I always just saw Bruce Timm, uh another version of Bruce Timm's stuff, you mm-hmm. know, and I've I've read, I tried to read the Parker stuff, and I, I I've, I'm friends with all of his with his old crew. Uh, Darwin passed before I actually got to know them. Like, they were all mourning when I got to know all these guys, so I, I would, you know, I've never had a chance, no one's ever asked me what, like, what I really thought of him, but uh, mm-hmm. and i I don't know. I I just don't get his stuff. You know, it's just like comics of yesteryear, (laughs) calling all cards. You know, it's just like of that era, and I think it's fine, but if I really want that, I'm just going to go to Bruce Tim. you know?
0: Sure. I mean, I I guess he was probably more prolific in the comic sense than Bruce Tim, though, right? I don't think Bruce Tim did a ton of comics. That's true. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) Yeah, but not that that really makes Um, a difference, but...
1: Hey, so one uh, kind of art question I was going to ask you, it doesn't mm -hmm. really have anything to do with anything um what are you working on right now to get better meaning when you sit down to draw a page what's your current obsession like i want to get better at backgrounds i want to get better at blocking i want to get better with ink i want to use this tool like what is your current um
0: you know, chip on your shoulder that you're trying to get through um well it kind of it's kind of shifts around a little bit because i'm not doing regular pages at the moment i'm kind of uh uh, doing a few different things at the same time. And it's actually – I haven't drawn a, a pages in a couple months at this point. Um, okay. But when, the stuff that I've been doing lately is um, I've been trying to think more about uh, blocking composition and stuff um, yeah. mainly because I have a tendency to overdraw a lot. So if I, mm-hmm. I don't always know where to stop with with stuff in the background and all that kind of stuff. So I try to when I'm doing my layouts, I've been trying to think more graphically and see if I can figure out what the best way to tell this story quicker is. Um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> if only That's f- funny. if only for my own my own benefit, uh, th- so that it, I can get through pages a little bit quicker because. What I, yeah. I guess sometimes I get bogged down in details about stuff where I get worried because a trash can in the background doesn't fit or doesn't look right, and it's like, well, you don't really, do you really need to draw the trash can? You probably don't need to draw the trash can, you know that kind of stuff. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I, I would say that's probably the thing I've been focusing on more. Like when I, I've been doing commissions, a few commissions, and when I do my commissions, mm-hmm. I've been trying to think a lot more uh, graphically and, and and have a better. Uh, compositional. I I to get more satisfaction out of the composition. I think than than mm-hmm. the actual like nitty gritty of 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 drawing everything in it. Yeah,
1: that's funny, man. I'm I'm actually working. I'm chasing that same dragon. Oh, right really? Now. No kidding. Yeah, I, I have. Um, uh, I'm chasing Toth still. Sure. I'm trying to figure out, like, all right, how can I lay down a lot of black to frame the important elements here? Yeah. So I'm using creative decisions rather than rendering the shit out of everything. Uh, But I don't want it to look lazy either. I want it to be intentional and I want it to um, highlight the detail that I'm putting in. Uh, And it's easier when you have books that offer a lot of shadows, like any kind of noir type thing, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, if I'm finding that my um, page planning process and my thumbnails are a lot more carefully considered now, because i'll uh think about the black st- stage from stage one mm-hmm. but the, i'm sorry i'll think about the black shapes right at the first stage there mm-hmm. and then as i you know um pull out the board and do it you know 11 by 17 or whatever um i find that when i um light box the shapes and get the blocking in i have a lot more information ready than i used to yeah so a lot yeah. of the work is happening off the page rather than so hopefully when i um Lay it out. When I trace it with the light box, I can just do a one more
0: pass or two, and then just start inking. You know? Yeah. Yeah. No. I. It's hard. Yeah. It's well. It's you know one of the things that I learned as I was doing this more and more is that uh, the layouts are where all the work is. Like the the stuff that you put down on the page, that's the fun part. You know, doing the layouts and making for me anyway, (laughs) doing the layouts and making sure that the page works conceptually. Has always been yeah. the hardest thing for me because that's when you're thinking about like, all right, well, I need perspective on this thing, but I got to make sure that there's no tangents here, and I got to make sure that this goes that way, yeah. and like it doesn't crowd the page, and how many panels is going to, what size should these, be? like that's where all the the thought comes in. That's where the math is being done, you know. Um, yeah, and so the more that you can work out, I've found the more that you can work out the bigger shapes and stuff in in that and yeah. the values and stuff at that stage helps uh immensely when you blow it up i you know what i always think about when i do it is i think about those friggin layouts that Matteo did at your house for uh black science yeah where he laid out this entire yeah. issue in like i like a day or something or like less than a day and they're these these small little layouts they're all gorgeous and they're just so well thought out as far as where the blacks go and the shapes that he's making and they were just they're beautiful and they are so well conceived yeah. that when you take that and you blow it up it's basically all there ready to go.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's a special gift. I I don't know how he does it. I think it took him at least 2 days to do that. Yeah. Um but they're so small like each each page is smaller than a baseball card. Yeah. But yeah. The blocking information is all there. It's 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 crazy, and it makes me want to break his fingers.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and you know, I I um, do my layouts digitally now, and I have for for a long time at this point. And um, yeah. one of the big benefits to that for me, especially when I'm doing this sort of process that we're talking about, like trying to push a little bit more graphically, is I always yeah. get like kind of timid when I'm on the page about whether or not I should push the black and whether or not i should black something out and so Mm -hmm. on digitally i there's no problem i can just test it out see what it looks like and if it seems like it works then that's what i do on the page um as opposed to sitting there as as i have in the past staring at something for a day being like i don't know if i black this i got one shot at this if i black this out and it doesn't work then what am i going to do
1: yeah man i um i'm looking at uh Mignola's uh, Dracula oh, right yeah, now. yeah, Oh, unbelievable. For unbelievable. anybody listening, if you want a study of blocking, get uh, Mike Mignola's Dracula. There's a uh, black and white edition by IDW that's hardcover. I'm sure it's soft as well. But if you want to see, like, simple black shapes, d- defined faces, it's it's insane how... So many of these shapes, it's like a silhouette of a guy's head, but you use three shape white shapes... The, like, you know, a shine on the cheek, the bridge of the nose, a little on the forehead, boom. Mm-hmm. It reads as an entire face. And it's just a glorified silhouette, basically, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, And, like, where to put the shadow under the nose? How does it reflect on the cheek? A- and each character looks different. Like, I would love to know next time I talk to him, like, did they give you references from the movies? Because Cary Elwes, or I've got to say his name. Yeah, I think that's it. Um, Yeah, Carrie L was looks like him in the background it's just even it's just insane how you nailed it and the other actors uh whose names i forget it's just like dude these guys are smaller than my pinky thumbnail and the shapes you use just define their shapes like my problem when i draw is i have a lot of same face going on Mm -hmm. um it's because i'm just Well, I'm busy writing the script. I've got, you know, drawing the cards, the backgrounds, and I just get so exhausted. I'm like, I'll make the lead character a guy with a big chin. Right. And I just have, you know, (laughs) and Zafino did it too. I I think a lot of us cast our leads as the same actor in our minds, so to speak. And um, if I had more energy, I would slow down and be like, all right, all right, let's change the nose. Let's give him a different kind of chin, you know, whatever. And it's so hard to slow down and do that when you're spinning 10 different plates at once, right? you know? Yeah. Yeah, but Mike's able to do that. Like I can, only, I'm, I'm hoping that he had amazing photo refs that he just traced because that would make me feel a whole lot better about why this book is so goddamn good. I, you know? I
0: think he must have because there are some shots in that book that are straight out of the movie, and like no. the only way you get those shots is if you have photo reference. Like there's a few um, <clears throat> Anthony Hopkins shots which are mm-hmm. like straight off the off, out of the film, and he yeah. he nails them. Like he draws a really good <laughs> Anthony Hopkins in that book.
2: Yeah.
1: That's true. You know, there's a lot of shots of Keanu Reeves in this book, but then um at page seventy-eight here, there's a couple of shots of Keanu Reeves where it looks like Mike Mignola's Mignola face, face. Yeah, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Whatever Mignola does, that's a version of what I'm doing. Yeah. You kinda get lazy You're just you fall back into your, your bag of tricks, whatever, it, and
0: it's inevitable. Yeah. I mean you're only human, you know? The nice the the nice wide Mignola mouth that kind of slightly droops down a little bit. Yeah. Like, guys just going, yeah. all the time, you know? <laughs> when
1: I look at Mignola's face, it's just, Ugh. It's like Hellboy, but yes. not as ex-
0: exaggerated. Yes, yes, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, that, that book but like I, fantastic. When I
1: flip through this, I'm like, man, I just want to swipe this face, change the shape a little bit, and then make it Bruce Wayne. And then, bam, the panel's finished, and it was basically just a glorified silhouette. Whenever I dive into my art, I end up going back to my bag of tricks, which is normally to like complicate things yeah. and add rendering and this and that. And I, I get away from toth, I get away from Mike, and I get away from blocking when I do that. Yeah, and it just makes my life more difficult. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I
0: do the same thing too. I, you know, I always go into a, I go into a book or, or a series of pages thinking like, all right, this is what I'm going to do this time. I'm going to try to do this, and then like three panels in, I'm just doing the same shit I always do. Um, it's hard. Yeah, the uh, yeah,
1: it's like. Your art is a giant ship in the ocean, like a Carnival cruise line, and you can only steer it so close,
0: so slowly. You know. <laughs> yeah, you know. I the closest I got to really changing it up recently was I did a couple short stories for some uh, anthologies. Uh, yep. One that just came out called mm. uh, "Toddler Apocalypse," which is all about the, it's uh, post-apocalyptic stories um, involving children because the scariest thing about the apocalypse is having to deal with kill- uh, with children. And uh, it was super fun, right. and I got to do this one one story involving zombies and stuff, and uh, I told myself, because I, I wanted to do it, take the opportunity to do something different, I decided mm-hmm. I was only going to ink using one tool, and it was going to be the um, <clears throat> Pentel Parallel Pen, one of those... I uh, knew you were going to say that. Yeah, I yeah. love those things. <laughs> it, one of those cartridge... It's a cartridge-based calligraphy pen, basically. Yeah. And uh, you can get a lot of really cool lines out of it. You can get really thin lines. You can get wide lines. It gets a lot of uh, uh, Mm -hmm. weight changes and stuff. And uh, the thing I had in my mind the whole time as I was doing it was uh, um, Walt Simonson's Lawnmower Man, the adaptation he did of the Stephen King story Lawnmower Man, which is one of the best things I've ever seen him do. It's, It's a lot dirtier than he usually goes. He's usually really clean. And mm-hmm. it's uh, it's just a fantastic story, uh, a fantastic, you know, it's like eight or ten pages of, of fantastic art from him. And so I kind of had that in my mind when I was doing that, and it was it was different. It was nice. I, I First of all, it let me work a little bit faster because I didn't have to keep changing tools and shit. But um, mm-hmm. I was trying to combine the two ideas where it's like, okay, I'm going to work with this one tool that by nature is going to make things a little bit more line-dependent and scratchy. But I don't want to lose the um, the blocking and the uh, uh, the use of blacks to kind of shape stuff uh, just because I'm using a different tool. And so it was it was an interesting experiment to try and uh, mix things together like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, I thought it, I I liked it. It was it was I came away thinking I could get used to working like this, but I think I would need to find a middle ground where i i worked that into the way i work normally because i think yeah. there were some things that worked better that way and some things mm-hmm. that i didn't think worked as well as i usually do it so
1: yeah and it's kind of like ashley wood um or um jim Mafood. it's uh using the calligraphy tool whatever kind of calligraphy tool you're sort of relegated to very flat um art so it's hard to do three-point perspective when using that tool it's hard to um, render buildings unless you render them as a backdrop in a certain way Mm -hmm. you have to sort of change how you model things because that that tool is good for loose flat objects or objects that are perceived as pretty flat if you really want something to get rounded and you want depth depth is hard to get with that tool because it's so chunky yeah um So I find that I whip out the calligraphy if I've got a close-up of some wrinkles in a jacket Mm -hmm. or if I just want to scribble in some detail and it's mostly black anyway and who cares if it's a little off, I'm going to get some cool white shapes that are going to reveal themselves. Like, you have to pick your moments for it. Like, guy in an alleyway holding a gun? Yes. Um, You know, (laughs) Sunday morning in the park, kids playing on a playground, three-point perspective? Put that tool away. (laughs) Uh, Unless you're drawing leaves in the foreground or whatever, like, there's really hard to use that on everything yeah unless you reimagine
0: all of your your whole approach to storytelling and how you lay things out you know yeah well my my dream is to be able to do a comic to do comics with essentially one tool to have that kind of like i I'm constantly fighting my own artistic interests really because on the mm-hmm. one hand I I'm drawn to the way that, that you do stuff, the way Zafino does stuff, the, the the guys who really have a lot of detail and like a lot of really, you know, accurate type drawing. Yeah. But on the other hand, I'm yeah. also really drawn to like Sinkevich and Ashley Wood and guys like that who all of yeah. their stuff is, they're not really, they don't have any like straight lines, but everything still mm-hmm. feels real and believable. You know? Yeah. So it's, it's, I'm constantly fighting those two those two poles and i i'm i'm always trying to find yeah. a, a happy medium
1: yeah it's kind of like i want the space of a minivan but i want it to go as fast as a ferrari right. how do i mix these right. two vehicles
0: yes. and if they're too far apart there's no way to do it um that's why you got to get one of those electric uh <laughs> mustang suvs <laughs> yeah. that just came out because that that solves all exactly. your problems exactly
1: yeah that's the thing's a tragedy mm-hmm. i want to like that but we'll the back end looks good the front is a disaster mm-hmm. anyway uh, <laughs> yeah like when i my i'm constantly chasing how do i mix toth with sergio topi right. or right. uh Sinkavage? how do i mix those but i want some uh manga in there too how do i do all that and those are three very different styles with the venn diagram on those is not not intuitive uh it took me a while to figure out how to steer into mignola and then for the next panel steer away from mignola and into sincavich and then the next scene and then or maybe even different books even you know you go for different looks but it's hard and i i don't think there's ever a solution but that's kind of the dragon that you're chasing and i think that the best artists kind of have a chip on their shoulder. They have an itch that they can't scratch. Like, they're looking for something. Right. And uh, I think that makes it interesting. And hopefully you never find it because the journey is the most interesting thing. And, you know, my whole career, I mean, since I did Hellblazer and I found this new style that I'm known for, I'm still trying to chase that dragon of, like, how do I mix Sinkavich with Toth, you know? And I'm still not there. (laughs) What it's given me is this sort of unusual style that I'm known for, which is cool, but I can't say I'm completely satisfied with it you know i'm still right i look back at my old shit and i'm like anything older than
0: uh two years ago it's hard for me to look at wow really two years huh i mean i shouldn't (laughs) i shouldn't be too surprised by that i'm the same way and i i think you know on the one hand i would say anybody who's listening to this that is dissatisfied with their own style listen to what he just said that's sean saying that even he is dissatisfied (laughs) and un and not quite happy with the way that he does things so the 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 thing is you got to push through that and you have to use that feeling to your advantage and let let that get you sharper and sharper and sharper and not let it discourage you because it's easy to get to start discouraged there too you know I've done yeah. plenty of pages where I'll finish the page and I'll feel great about it and then I scan it into the computer and I go oh jeez, this looks like garbage and it doesn't look like garbage you know it, it never looks yeah. like garbage but you're your mind yeah. has already moved past it onto something else, and so all you're seeing is is the things you did wrong or the things that you yeah. wish you could change, and yeah. it's just the part of the process, unfortunately, or fortunately, yeah. depending I, on how you look at it.
1: I, I talked to um, uh, the illustrator who did uh, the Frankenstein stuff. Um, what's his name? Bernie Wrightson. Thank you, Bernie yeah. Reitzen, mm-hmm. uh when he was alive, and I was like, he's selling these prints that he did in the '70s, and he's still selling them out, like you know, 30 years later, whatever mm-hmm. it was at the time. And I was like, man, I, this is so great. But when you look back at this stuff, do you see uh, things you want to change? And he's like, all I see are mistakes. Yeah. I'm like, really? Wow. Like, even like Bernie Wrightson firing on all cylinders, because that work was like groundbreaking. So I, I, all I can say to artists who are burdened by, um, who are unsettled with where they're at, it's okay. And hopefully you'll always be unsettled. The trick is to gain some comfort with it and just be fine with the fact that sometimes you got to put out b plus work sometimes you have a panel that nails it sometimes you have a panel that doesn't you have to just keep moving forward you can't get admired in your depression mm-hmm. you have to see it as a journey and you know like bob ross said you, you only learn from mistakes um mistakes teach you things if you just nailed it perfectly every time you'd probably sleep really well but you're no longer learning anything you have to fuck up but you need to go easy on yourself at the same time too and allow yourself just forgive yourself and just hopefully you know every year you're moving forward and you look back and you see some you know some growth and just be happy with that but i mean if you are obsessed with how bad you are how it's not coming together you're gonna lose you have you can't you can't keep doing that to yourself right right
0: yeah no absolutely
1: (laughs) it's hard though yeah i mean but you if you're professional then you're able to identify all right i haven't quite mixed these two artists yet but this is like a B minus of what I want. And I can live with this and I'm going to let it go. I'm going to let it be published. I'm going to get my paycheck and I'm going to move forward. Like you have to accept like, eh, it's like, I remember when I first did uh my new style was on hellblazer and there was a lot of experimentation in that book. And I look back and I'm like, man, that was brave. And I look back and I go, Oh, that was terrible. And I look back and I go, well, that's amazing. Why don't I use that technique anymore? Mm. Like how did, why did I stop using that? Like you get all the emotions, honestly. Right. Right. But every book since then, I've sort of tried to tighten it up better. And like, I never really focused on blocking at all my entire career until this book. And I must have been focused on blocking in small ways because I successfully blocked out panels for the past 10 years. Um, but I never focused on it so that like every panel was blocked well, mm-hmm. like the way Mike does it, you know? Right, yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I, I think also I gotta talk about this forever. Yeah. But
1: it's it's tricky. Well, the, <laughs>
0: the 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 other thing to say I, I, that I would say also is that I think even if you think it's B minus, there's someone out there who's gonna think it's A plus, right? Like there's always gonna be right. someone who hates it. There's always gonna be someone who loves it. When I when I started doing my book Dead Meat, when I started publishing it myself, I knew that I was gonna hate most of it, but I also knew that there was gonna be someone down the line who. No. as as much as i had changed was going to bring that book over and say you know i i really like this i don't like what you do mo- now too much and i was like yeah i mean that's just how it goes you know it's it's good yeah. to it's good to chase your own dragon but it's also you mm-hmm. got to it's it's always nice to take a step back and realize that there are people who who do like the stuff that even you don't really like you know it's so it's as long as it's making people happy just keep doing what you're doing i guess
1: yeah yeah Yeah, that's funny. I mean, one of uh, my most popular books is The Tokyo Ghost. And, um, I, it's a hard book for me to look at because it's, um, the, it was hard to draw. Like Rick said, draw this, draw that. Like I felt like I was a rental car he was driving the shit out of, (laughs) you know? And, uh, hey, if I was him and I had, I would do the same. But for my own sanity, I had to, um, cut back on what he was asking me like i remember he had these scenes where like kids were getting killed or something and it was right during um one of the school shootings that happened and i wrote him i'm like man i i just can't draw blood anymore i, I my yeah. brain can't handle it um i'm gonna go silhouette and some of these like i'm sorry uh you know he didn't get upset he absolutely understood he's got kids himself of course um and uh I mean, I remember drawing one way panel where there's this villain who's on this, like, hoverboard scooter, and he's surfing over a crowd of people, but there's a blade in the front oh, of it, sure. so he's, like, yeah. mowing over them, and I had to draw it in a a, a wave, and I, I can't believe I pulled it off so well, but god that was a horrible day like (laughs) whenever you're drawing a panel you're stuck in that scene so the whole day i'm stuck with this guy like blood surfing a bunch of innocent people (laughs) in the background and like how the hell did i not get drunk after that man that was brutal (laughs) and after a few issues of that with tokyo ghost i mean it wasn't just like the blood violence it was the ideas were violent Um, right right the uh the dialogue was violent it was just a brutal book and uh yeah, I just focused on like, all right, well, I've got some really beautiful Japanese gardens I can draw. I got led on a motorcycle. That's fun. You know, I'll just draw the violent panels at the end of the book so I don't bum myself out too much. I mm. just had to like lock on to the stuff that got me through because, yeah, it's it's hard. Like, I see that book and like I signed on for eight issues and then we ended up making it 10. So, I some of the stuff was rushed and like people come up and it's like their favorite thing. I'm like,
0: really? You like this better than Batman? Okay. You know, yeah. thanks for... Buying. Yeah, yeah. I think, you know, I think it happens with artists. I think it happens with actors and directors. I think it happens with musicians. There's always someone out there whose favorite thing is going to be your least favorite thing you've ever done. You know.
2: Yeah,
1: it must be brutal when you're uh, a musician and their favorite thing is a song you did in 1983. Everything you've done since then has not moved them at all.
0: (laughs) Well, yeah, I've I've always thought about that, and I feel like you got to (laughs) kind of you got to kind of embrace it to a certain extent, right? You know, you could be. Yeah, washing washing cars somewhere or something but it's not, not the worst yeah. thing in the world to have one song that people have loved for 30 years
1: <laughs> yeah that's fair <there. laughs> um, you get that like Tommy Lee anger about you yeah yeah
0: but uh, yeah I think that's as as good a place as any to end for today um, thank- Yeah, cool we went a bit long on the uh, art and security angle but uh, yeah just had to get some shit up my chest I guess yeah no problem no problem um, that's gonna do it for shriek and dead man's hand if you want to help support the show we've got a couple episodes on patreon where we talk about the Batman and we talk more in depth about our uh, red hood white knight red hood book that's coming out you can find those at patreon.com the Penske file thank you guys for your support as always thanks for listening and we will be back next time with the winning edge and spellbound <laughs> <could> <laughs>